You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. And today we are talking something extremely topical, something that has come across my desk, my phone, countless amount of times in the last fortnight. It is the building grant topic. We are talking WA grant, federal grant, first home buyer's grant, first home buyer's rate of stamp duty. Altogether, that number can total $69,000 in benefits. Where should it be focused? Where shouldn't it be focused? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're also going to answer a lot of questions that have come through. I'm going to try and uh, really turn it into an FAQ today, frequently asked questions, so that we can bundle up all those questions that have come through. Literally tens of questions have come through. I think it's 60 or 70 questions have come through to us in the last two weeks about this. And we thought we'd make a little bit of a summary for everyone today. Really, just to get it really clear on the table as to what you're eligible for uh, and what you're not. And again, what we are focusing on with regards to making the most of it. First question that's come through, and a very good question, is with regards to how much of uh, this grant the builders are really just going to be taking it for themselves. Now, hot off the press, I guess uh, the conversations I'm having with the general managers of some of the biggest building companies in Perth really is that prices have already gone up. The second that we had that week, two weeks ago now, where 833 transactions occurred in Western Australia for the week, which is uh, about 60% higher than normal right now, uh, and a lot of build contracts coming through, the numbers started coming and I started getting phone calls from the GM saying, look, uh, we need to chat prices and just to let you know what's going to happen. The reality is the building companies, uh, most of the big ones have had a year's worth of work come in in the space of a week. Uh, That's not an over-exaggeration. Now, what happens there is obviously they have an opportunity on their side to grasp back a little bit of margin that they otherwise uh, have been losing out on for the last few years. They've been doing it very tough, uh, believe it or not, but more so it's them covering their risk uh, when it comes to the subcontractor and supplier price increases they're going to be facing over the period between the contract being signed and them having to actually employ these people to build your home. So if you can imagine a building company might agree agree to a fixed price contract for your house for $200,000 as a round number. They agree that they're going to essentially cover all costs in that process to deliver the outcome you've agreed. Now, what they're doing is taking a risk in within their margin as to what costs Steve the bricklayer and John the plumber and uh, Laminex and Formica and the tile company will charge them along the way to deliver that home for you. So normally a building company will try and build in about 20% profit and over time generally that profit will erode from theft, from breakage, from inefficiencies down to in the low teens. So that's generally how much money a builder will be making. Uh, over the last couple of years that number has even been into the single digit numbers for most of their build profits per house. Now what they're doing is building in even more fat because they're expecting Steve the bricklayer to come back and say I'm not doing it for a dollar a brick anymore I'm now going to be uh, working at a dollar fifty otherwise you can find someone else. And the, the, 
real strength that Steve has at the moment is that there isn't anyone else. There's been a bottleneck created when it comes to the build and that will create a skill shortage for many of the skills required to build homes. And with COVID here as well, getting people in from other countries to fulfill those skills isn't really possible either. So we're going to have a big bottleneck over the next 12 months and that will impose some risks to people actually getting the grants in the first place. Another question is, can we hold the building companies to account if they don't get to site in the amount of time we need to be able to get our grants? The answer to that is no. Unfortunately, a builder just will not sign a contract regardless. They're not compelled to build your home in the first place and they certainly won't agree to a contract that holds them to some level of impunity or financial account to you getting your uh, grants, whether you're eligible for them or not. So with the 20,000 and the 25,000 coming in, my expectation is that at least half of that will be uh, taken straight away by the builders and increased margin. And hopefully you can retain the other half in terms of savings to you. Now, let's go over some of the uh, actual criteria, the eligibility. And and I want to list this just in a comparison between the Federal Home Builder Grant and the West Australian Building Bonus. Now, people can have both. Let's talk about whether you may or may not be eligible. Firstly, let's talk citizenship. With the Federal Home Builder Grant, you must be an Australian citizen. You cannot be a company. You cannot be a trust. You must be a a natural person and uh, you must be a citizen, not even just PR. However, with the WA Building Bonus, you can be any entity, a person, a company, a trust, an Australian, a foreign person, a PR. It doesn't matter who it is. If you're engaging a builder to build a home, you'll get $20,000. So big difference there in terms of that eligibility. Secondly, when it comes to the transaction itself, the federal home builder not only covers new homes, but it also covers renovations. Now, a little bit of controversy in this in that the renovation must cost at least $150,000. So to be incentivized $25,000 to build a $150,000 renovation to your home, for me, sounds a little bit uh, ridiculous. I can't see many situations where other than the fact that you may be looking to do that renovation already, that making sense. However, it is available. With regards to the WA building bonus, the 20000 that's just to build new homes. When it comes to dwelling types, the federal grant allows for all dwelling types, houses, apartments, house and land, off the plan, any construction. When it comes to the WA building bonus, that doesn't allow for apartments or commercial purposes. Now, the grants also differ when it comes to owner-occupied versus investor. The federal grant is for home building. It's for owner-occupiers only, so no investors. However, the West Australian building bonus is for everyone. Again, anyone who decides to build a house will get the $20,000 as long as it meets the other criteria. The next piece of criteria is the time frame. In this case, the contract must be signed from the 4th of June up until the 31st of December this year. Now, make that very clear. The contract must be signed in that time. Not just the quote, uh, not just the initial quote, but the fixed-priced HIA contract must be signed. You don't need to start building in that time. This is where that differs. With the federal grant, you must start building within three months of the contract being signed. So at the very latest, you could have signed the contract on the 31st of December and you must start building by the 31st of March, 2021. With the WA building bonus, you've got six months. So at the very latest, the last grant will be paid to someone who builds on the 30th of June next year. When it comes to income threshold, the federal home builder grant 
is pretty strict. You must be making no more than $125,000 as a single, or if you're a couple, you must be making no more than $200,000. Now, if you're a couple, that means one person could make 180, one person could make 10, and you would therefore qualify. Now, that's based on your 2018-19 tax return. If that was too high, but your 2019-20 tax return was lower, you can use that one instead. So, a bit of flexibility there. Now, when it comes to the WA building bonus, there are no thresholds, there are no parameters. Again, you could be a millionaire and you will still get the $20,000 per house. Now, when it comes to the value of the property, it again differs. The federal grant is for new home builds where the house and land together can be valued at no more than $750,000. So if you bought a piece of land for $300,000, your build could be no more than $450,000. If it is, it won't get the grant. And again, with the WA building bonus, there are no criteria. You can build a $5 million house, you will still get $20,000. On top of that, the federal grant allows for knockdowns. So if you already own the property or you're looking to knock down a property and rebuild, that value of the existing property plus the new build can be no more than 1.5 mil. This doesn't include things like pools, sheds, or granny flats. So you can strip those out of the build contract. Now, the big question a lot of people have been asking me is, and I think the expectation from a lot of people is that this cash, these grants can be used as your deposit for the purchase of the land and the deposit for your build as if it's one big package. Unfortunately, the machinations of the way that you purchase a house and land package is that you still have to purchase the land. You still have to have a deposit for the land and generally for a $250,000 piece of land, at the very least you would need most likely around $25,000 to be able to secure that land unless it was through Keystart. Uh, which I don't recommend as a product to anyone in that situation. Now, unfortunately, that does preclude a lot of people who maybe only had a couple of thousand dollars in their pocket and thought this was their means to be able to build their own home. Now, the first question I would ask you is if you weren't in a financial position beforehand to build your own home and take on that much debt, it might not be the best decision just with some free money. Regardless, this money cannot be used as a deposit towards land. So generally, you will not be able to go down that path. So if you've gone to a land estate and a sales agent has sold you or pre-sold you a piece of land and, and got you in to build a new home, you, you definitely should be asking the question, can I actually afford this? Will I actually get the grant? Because you don't want to be wasting your time or their time when push comes to shove and you can't settle on the land that you're looking to build on. Now, another question we have is the timing of that payment of the grant. Does it go straight to us or does it go to the builder? How does it get paid and when? Now, in both situations, it's going to be paid by the Office of State Revenue, which normally deals with stamp duty and the first home buyer's grant. It will be paid directly to you when your first progress payment is to be paid. So when your slab is poured and the builder sends you their first invoice, which might be for twenty dollars or $30,000, you would send that invoice in, you would then uh, prove that you're about to pay it and the Office of State Revenue will pay you the $25,000 and or the $20,000 uh, at that situation and you can use that money towards your security. And that seems to be what the banks will allow you to lend for. As I said, they're not going to be allowing you to use it as a deposit for the land, but they will allow you to use it as a deposit for the build contract. So as long as you can afford to pay for the land upfront in terms of getting a loan for that with your deposit, you can then use the 20, the 25, the 10 and the stamp duty reduction at build time. 
And just to be clear, that these are all grants that can stack onto each other. Someone who is a first home buyer purchasing a piece of land for less than $300,000, who has a house and land contract that is worth less than $750,000, who makes $125,000 or less as a single or $200,000 or less as a couple, most likely will be availed up to $69,000 in grants and stamp duty reductions. That is a massive bonus for a lot of people. And I would suggest that this is most relevant to people who were already looking to build. Now, if you weren't in a position to build a month ago, I would suggest you take your time to figure out whether this is the right thing for you. Just because you could build doesn't mean you should. I would really implore everyone out there who is thinking about using these grants to first check whether the actual cost of buying a piece of land, which has gone up drastically in the last two weeks with increase in demand for land, plus the cost of your new build, which has gone up drastically over the last couple of weeks as well, will be more or less than the cost of an existing established house down the road in that same suburb. If it is significantly more, you have to ask yourself whether you're actually getting value for money and whether you're actually going to be making a good financial decision. Now, that's on the owner-occupied side. On the investor side, I would make it very clear that this is something that people that are taking this grant up, and more specifically the West Australian Building Bonus Grant, they need to focus on using this grant as a de-risker, as a buffer zone, and not as something to be taken advantage of. Because the reality is, over the next few months, building contracts will continue to increase in price up to a point where a lot of that grant will have been used up by the builder's margins and the supplier's margins. So if you're already looking at going through an investment build or a development build, use this 20, 40, 60, $80,000 at being $20,000 per house that you're building as a buffer, as something to de-risk your project. Certainly don't use it as something to try and get to make the project itself viable. If it wasn't viable before the grants came in, it certainly isn't an option that you should be taking now. Now, the next question that's come across my desk quite a lot is, if we have decided to use this grant, how should we be using it and where? And how should we not be using it? Now, I'll make this very clear. I'm not a fan of house and land packages out in the fringes of Perth. The data does prove there is a massive oversupply of properties there already and the highest levels of mortgage stress in Australia already. This is not somewhere where you want to be investing your money in the first place. So for everyone that comes to me suggesting that they're going to be looking at a house and land package somewhere in Alkamos or Yanchep or Ellenbrook or Baldivis, I've done everything I can to suggest to them, how about you look for a similarly priced piece of land in a similar size somewhere much closer to the city. If you're looking in the northern suburbs, why not look in somewhere like Heathridge or Belden or, or Craigie or Padbury? If you're looking in the east, why not look in Morley or Naranda or Bassendine? If you're looking in the south, how about Coolblop? How about Hamilton Hill or Spearwood? These are all places where there is still land available. There is still land available at fairly reasonable prices under the first home buyer's threshold of $300,000. And they'll avail you to a much better fundamental for growth in areas that have much lower loan-to-value ratios and much lower mortgage stress risk. Now, another factor for you would be to also attempt not to spend too much on that build just because you might be getting twenty dollars or $45,000 or $55,000 in free cash from the government doesn't mean you should be using that money to overcapitalize on your property. If you're looking to build a property in somewhere like Heathridge, for example, where the median house price is in the low 400s, you are at a high level of risk of overcapitalizing. If your land cost is $300,000 and the build cost you end up achieving is about $300,000 as well. A property that you've paid for that costs $600,000 will be one of the most expensive properties in Heathridge and could be hard to sell in the future at that price 
if you're looking to move. So really just make sure that you're always asking yourself, just because we could doesn't mean we should. Always do the numbers to make sure we're not overcapitalizing on the house and we're not just doing this to be able to get free money because at the end of the day, the stats are starting to prove already that a lot of that free money, if I can call it that, is going towards the builders and the builders suppliers and not actually going to end up in your pocket. I hope that that gives you some level of prudence today, some level of guidance. And if you've got any other questions when it comes to should I, where should I, how should I, when should I, what are the time frames, and can I afford to get this done? Please do send through as many questions as you have to inquiries at perthpropertyshow.com.au and we'll do our best to answer all those questions. For now, the reality is the vacant land market is extremely tight. Properties that have been on the market for over a year have sold in the space of a week $50,000 more than they couldn't sell it for for 365 days up until June 4th. So it's an interesting time right now. Not only has land prices jumped, supply of land in existing suburbs has, has fallen to record lows for the last few years and build contracts are increasing. So if you are looking at getting in, I would suggest you either have that piece of land already or possibly even wait for a lot of those pieces of land that have been snapped up under offer to come back on the market as people who are a little bit over exuberant in putting offers in without actually having finance, giving those back in the next 30 days. So if you haven't found a piece of land right now and you definitely want to build, don't be too disheartened. My thoughts are that there will be a lot of vacant land coming back on the market in the next 30 days and also still a lot of sellers who haven't gotten off their butts yet and uh, haven't listed that piece of vacant land they've been sitting on for years as well. So there will be still a good supply of land coming through for those people looking to make smart decisions. Your choice now is do I build? Do I buy established in the market? It's a little bit neglected now over the last couple of weeks and there are many bargains that can be had in that space as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!